Hey everybody, before we kick off the intro music, wanted to give you a heads up. In this episode, we have an interview with Dr. Paul Olson, the Dean at the University of Jamestown and a former Briarcliff professor. That interview was done via Skype and we did run into some audio issues. So about halfway through that interview, you're going to notice that the audio gets awfully shaky and a little difficult to hear. It was a good interview, so we wanted to keep the audio in and I tried to turn it up as much as we could so you could hear it. But I did want to give you a heads up that it doesn't sound the greatest about halfway through that interview. Hope you enjoy this week's episode of BC Buckets. Welcome to the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University men's basketball. This is Matt Gall up here in the Newman Flanagan Center at the basketball offices overlooking Raynacki Court. And as always, we've got the crew here. I'm joined by head coach Mark Sfigera. Great to be back for another week of the NAI's best basketball podcast. Also, welcome back to SID Kevin Potterbaum. Kevin, you were out last week. It's great to have you back here today. Glad to be back. Uh, no more no more babies being baptized today, so I'm free. Yeah, congratulations on that. And as always, running the computer over here, we've got student coach Bobby Beach Patterson. Hey Matt, it's uh, great to be back, and I'm glad that this is weekly now, so I can just see you on an everyday basis. The pleasure is all yours, Bobby. Well, Coach, we'll go ahead and just jump right into this. You guys had a busy week in your first week of games uh, on the road. You guys traveled all over the Midwest here, and your first game was Monday night up at Presentation College in Aberdeen, South Dakota. You guys got out of there with a 98-73 win. What uh, what went right in that game? Well, I thought for the most part we played with a, a lot of energy on both sides of the ball. We had talked to our guys a lot leading into that game that, you know, first game of the year we're going to have to knock a little offseason rust off. And we did that pretty quickly, fortunately, and, and we built a lead about mid-first half. We're up 15 at halftime, and, and we really, for the most part, sustained that the whole second half. And, and I thought our defensive energy was really good. We forced 29 turnovers in the game, which is, which is a really good thing for us. We shot the ball well. You know, we had multiple guys contribute offensively, and obviously Ethan Friedel came off the bench and scored 27. He really had it going, and all the fans who listen to this know he's capable of that pretty much any time and so to see him get it going early in the year was a great sign for us but it's always good to get that first one out of the way I think there's always a little pregame nerves pregame jitters before that first game and and to come out with a win is obviously a great thing and as you talked about on last week's podcast you know you guys are capable of a really balanced scoring attack you had five guys in double digits as you said Ethan Friedel with 27 Jay Wolf and Eric Erdman each had 16 in that game and then uh, Jackson Lamb and Jaden Klein-Hesslink contributed 11 definitely a team win for that first game of the year yep absolutely and that's I think that's something that's going to be a great benefit of our offense this year is we do have a lot of guys who can score points and score in in big bunches you know and I think I know we're going to get to the other two games we played over the last week um, and we're going to see some of those same examples of, of different guys stepping up and having big games so next, Coach, we're going to talk about the game that I think uh, most people who followed you guys this week are probably excited to hear you talk a little bit about, and that's that game down at Friends University uh, down in Kansas where you guys were able to, to get out of there with a 116-112 to win in double overtime after uh, you know some, some buzzer-beater heroics by Nick Lutmer there at the end of regulation. But I'll tell you what, for a while there, that did not look pretty. It didn't look good for the vast majority of that game, Matt. Um, you know, and it's there's a lot of things that I think, well, maybe we could have done this a little differently and that differently, whether it was with our travel, how we handled game day, whatever. Um, I just thought we were a little flat coming out, 
And, you know, we had an early lead. We were up five or six points early in that game. Uh, Jackson Lamb had a couple early threes, which is generally a good sign for us when he gets it going early. Then we had some foul trouble. Um, we went on a, a run of, I think, nine straight possessions where we didn't score. And our offense was just kind of stagnant. We were forcing some things. And I also have to say now, Friends is a good team. You know, they have a really nice team. I was really impressed as we prepared for them on film. I thought they were really good. In person, I thought they were really good, and I think they're going to have a nice season. And so a lot of the credit for, for our early struggles also need to go to them. Uh, but we, we, were, we weren't happy at halftime to be down 10. We thought we gave them some easy points, and we, we left some opportunities out, out there for ourselves. You know? And then the second half didn't start any better. You know, it started with friends scored an easy basket literally at the basket. We then immediately turned it right back over on the inbound pass for a layup. We then immediately on the inbounds pass turned it over a second time. And fortunately, they didn't score. But 30 seconds into the second half, we're down 14 already. And it, it did not feel good. It didn't look good. you know. And then we started clawing back. It took, a, it took a while. But at the 14-minute mark, we're down 22 points. And I don't think anybody felt good at that point, whether you were there, whether you were watching, coaching, playing, anything. It did not look good. And it, it, honestly, it's a testament to our guys, you know, we have some outstanding leadership from our upperclassmen. Um, the togetherness they played with and the toughness they showed, the resiliency they showed to fight back and make it a game, first of all, and then make enough plays. I mean, we took a lead. We were up one with under a minute to go and had a great look from three that might have just sealed it in regulation. We missed it, you know. So then we go down three again, and we end up hitting a buzzer beater and, and go to overtime, go to a second overtime. You know, we had guys play some huge minutes. Jay Wolf came out for 2.9 seconds the entire game. You know, Jackson Lamb was out for about a, a minute and 20 seconds the entire game. And, and we were without Ethan Friedel, who's obviously, you know, was our leading scorer in the first game and, and plays big minutes for us. And he didn't travel with us uh, due to a sickness. And so we were a little shorthanded in that regard, but they just kept fighting, kept fighting, made some huge plays down the stretch, and, and finally got it done. So after a game like that where, you know, you have a lot of guys who played a lot of minutes, uh, it goes late into the evening and you've got a game early the next day or early afternoon the next day, are you able to ride a lot of that adrenaline and that momentum to go into a, a pretty quick turnaround like that? Well, I think so. You know, it's, it's one of those things. We got back to the hotel, had food there for the guys, basically told them to eat and go to bed because we were going to get up the next morning and, and go through the scouting report for Bethany. And then we were taking off and, and getting up there about 11.30 yesterday to, to prepare for the game. And, and, yeah, I think you can to a certain extent at the same time. You know, our message to the guys was, hey, you know what? We've got an opportunity to play a college basketball game today. And there's a lot worse things we could be doing. And, yeah, we had a lot of guys play a lot of minutes. And, yeah, it's a tight turnaround. But ultimately, if we're where we want to be at the end of the year, which is the national tournament, you're going to be in situations like that. You know, we've been in situations like that before where you have a tight turnaround and you have to get yourself up and ready to go, and, and that's mentally and physically the next day. And so I think hopefully that's a good preparation for us down the road this season. And uh, I, I was happy with how our guys bounced back. Little peak and valley with uh, some execution stuff in the game uh, yesterday against Bethany. But to come out with a win and, and some guys who were pretty beat up and sore after the weekend was, was definitely a good thing. It was a great way to end the trip. And so going back to that game uh, Friday night up at Friends, 
you know, again, very balanced scoring attack. Uh, you had another freshman. We talked about uh, Klein Hesslink in that first game, having a big game. Uh, this game you had Kyle Borhave uh, with 19 points, six rebounds uh, in, a, in a pretty good game where he put in 34 minutes, you know, as a, a freshman in a big-time game like that. What were your thoughts on, you know, how he handled himself in a big-time situation like that? Well, Kyle was huge for us on Friday night. You know, there was a time in that game where his offense really kept us in it. You know, I mean, as much as you can be in it down 22, I guess. But, you know, it could have been a lot worse. He he really did a good job of scoring around the basket, and, and he has a great knack to play off of some of our guards and, and ball screen for him. And he gets himself some easy baskets, but he can create himself some baskets as well. And so he was huge for us, not only on the offensive end, but he did some great things defensively. We made a few adjustments in the second half. You know, they have a, a guy, Jordan Murdoch, who's just outstanding as a scorer. And Kyle started double-teaming him a little bit. And it really changed the trajectory of the game because we were, we were finally able to get multiple defensive stops in a row, which led to some easy offense. And, and he was a big part of that. And so you talked about your next game uh, on Saturday against Bethany. You guys uh, won that game 92-80. to 80. What was the story of that game? You know, a little bit slow starting. I uh, really liked the way our defense performed early in the game, and our, our, our offense took a little bit longer to come around. Uh, we got it going. We built a nice lead, maybe relaxed a little bit near the end of the first half and uh, allowed them to get back in it. Um, but we, we really controlled the second half. Felt like we were up 10 about the whole second half and never, never really a point where they threatened our lead, but never a point where we really felt comfortable either, which is not always a great feeling to have. I would have I loved to have built a 20-point lead and, and maybe get some of our top guys, some of our starters who had played a ton of minutes out of the game. But, you know, Bethany's got a nice team, and, and they just kept fighting, and, and that's what you're going to get when you play on the road. And we talk to our guys a lot about, yeah, whatever with the rankings and all that, and it's not something we talk a lot about, but it does put a target on our back. And there's a lot of teams, especially in the non-conference, that, that say, hey, if we can beat Briar Cliff, well – that's going to be a little feather in our cap and, and make us look good to start the year. And so we're going to get a lot of people's best shots. And so I was happy with how our guys competed, how we finished that game. And, you know, we had we had at least one great individual performance, a lot of them. But Jay Wolf was unbelievable in that game. So let's talk a little bit about your offensive efficiency because you said that's going to be a big strength for you guys this year. And uh, so far, that that's obviously the case. Uh, you talked about the importance of getting the ball moved around and, and using you know, those extra passes to your advantage. You guys have 57 assists on 104 buckets this year. Yeah, that's something that we stress a lot. Our guys do a good job of that about 94% of the time. The other 6%... You know, we have a few guys with an itchy trigger finger, um, but it, having that also is what makes a lot of our guys good players. They have a killer instinct to them. We have a lot of guys who want to take and make the big shot, you know, and, and that has nothing to do with year or what you've done in the past. You know, Nick Lutmer hadn't played a whole lot before this year. He hits the game-tying shot, sent it to overtime. At the end of overtime, we have a great look from three from Jaden Klein-Hesselink, a freshman, you know, and he missed the shot, but it looked good. I thought it was in when he shot it from where I was standing. You know, and then we had a, multiple guys in the in the second overtime make huge plays to help put that game away. And, and so having that balance, I've said it before and I'll say it again, it makes us harder to guard because you can't focus right, right in on Erdman. You can't focus right in on Wolf. You have to kind of spread that around or pick your poison. And when one guy has an off night, somebody else is going to step up. And that, that's what happened this weekend, both games. So looking at the week coming up, you guys have your first conference 
contest uh, Wednesday. You guys head up to Jamestown for your first ever GPAC game against Jamestown. I know we've played them a few times in the past uh, in non-conference games, but this will be the, the first time that we see them under the GPAC banner. And then Saturday, Concordia comes to town for your first home conference game and first home game of uh, the season. So uh, tell me about Jamestown. What do you know about those guys? It, it looks, just looking at the first four games of the year, uh, that they score a lot of points too and they shoot a lot of threes. So so what have you seen out of researching these guys? Well, I, I think Jamestown has a really nice team. I think you said it, Matt. They're, they're similar to us in a lot of ways. Uh, very guard dominant in their scoring. Uh, shoot a lot of three-pointers. Move the ball well. Make the extra pass. Uh, have a couple outstanding scores at the guard spot, you know. So in some ways, it'll be like playing ourselves. Um, certainly, there's differences between the two of us, but you know, we talked to our guys even after yesterday's game. Yeah, we we've got a couple wins now, and it, it's good to to start the year three and zero. But now we step right into GPAC play, and it takes a different intensity, especially on the road. It takes more attention to detail. It takes better execution, and that's something we need to continue to work on in practice as we prepare, but when you're in a conference game, you just know each other a little bit better, players know each other a little bit better, and it's gonna be scouted a little bit better, and so you have to better what you've already done to prepare for that, and, and so I'm excited to get up there and, and get our first GPAC game under our belt, and uh, you know, with Jamestown being new, we probably don't know them like we know some of the other teams and players in the league, and, and we have played them over the past few years a few times, uh, but again, in a non-conference game, it's just not going to be the same level of intensity and scouting. And so it's, it's, I'm excited to see a new venue, see what kind of atmosphere they have. I know they have a beautiful new arena. And, uh, you know, so it, it's going to be great to get the GPAC rolling. A little early for my liking to start conference games, but, you know, you play the hand you're dealt. So we're looking forward to that. And then, you know, this weekend we're looking forward to getting home, to be honest with you. We've been on the road a lot. And uh, I think it's been really good for our team. I think it's been good to test our guys with a couple tough road games. Uh, but it's going to be nice to be back to the Flanagan Center this weekend. And, Coach, I know a lot of people are looking forward to having you guys back at home. Uh, you know, the first four games on the road. There's some fans here who are, are anxious to see what you guys have on the court. And, unfortunately, I'm not going to be around for that first home game. But, uh, you know, Concordia's coming to town. I'm sure you're just kind of starting to look at, you know, scouting and some of those things. But what do you typically see out of those Concordia teams? Well, first of all, I hope you found your own replacement for the scorebook on Saturday's game. But Concordia, um, you know, they, they've been a really good program here the last handful of years. Uh, really solid. Always have to prepare for them. They're well coached. They run their offense well. They are kind of an unknown at this point. You know, they have a lot of new guys playing from a year ago. I think they brought maybe two guys back out of their main rotation, and they're playing a lot of new guys. And so in terms of how they're playing, what they're doing, you know, they have stayed pretty consistent in that, so we'll have an idea. But you just don't know when you have so many new guys and, and how that's going to look. So we'll, we'll really start digging into that here in the next couple of days and preparing and as we scout our my our assistant coaches are generally a game or two ahead of me and I'm a little bit behind really trying to focus in on on that next opponent which right now is Jamestown but just you know Concordia is one of those teams we we've had a lot of battles with and it seems like even the games we beat them there hasn't been a whole lot of times where we've been able to pull away and and blow them out we've had played a lot of close games with them so we'll we'll have to prepare and be ready and and play well Bobby, what's it mean for you guys as student coaches and, and for the players just to be back home in the home gym playing in front of the hometown fans? 
Yeah, obviously, it's really special playing in the Newman Flanagan Center. And speaking on the student coaching side of things, first off, it's going to be really nice because the timeout chairs that we have, uh, we put them in a really big bag and we have to carry them, and they're heavy. And so not having to carry the heavy chairs about 300 yards from our bus to the locker room is going to be really nice. So having to do that just from the storage room in the locker room to the uh, the bench in the Newman Flanagan Center is going to be really good. Um, and Coach alluded to it too. Um, it's going to be really nice playing for the guys. I know that we've been on the road. We've put on a lot of travel the first four games, but it's going to be nice playing in Newman Flanagan Center. And there's a lot of buzz already with the uh, students on campus. They just want to watch both teams play and uh, having them at home Saturday is going to be awesome and it's going to be exciting to see the fan base come out and uh, support the guys because I know they're uh, anxious to get home and uh, play in the Flanagan Center. Any uh, new additions to the warm-up mix this year? You know, I, uh, I'm i actually in charge of putting together the warm-up playlist this year. I have incorporated the other seniors on the team to help me. I can't give any surprises away, but all I can say is just come Saturday, you'll like what you hear. So my last question for you, Bobby, you know, you, you kind of handle a lot of the logistical things involved with the season. So three games in, a lot of road trips so far. You feel like overall things are going pretty smooth? Yeah, I feel like things are going really well. It's been a, a good three games, uh, good road trips. Ethan and I have put in a lot of work, and we put in a lot of time. Um, uh, Ethan, I got to give a quick shout-out to him. He does a great job. He uh, doesn't get a whole lot of uh, attention, so shout-out to him. Um, but yeah, between doing laundry in Kansas and getting meals ready in uh, Aberdeen and down in Kansas, it's it's been a good three uh, road games. But uh, come Saturday, it's going to be nice having just everything at home here. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, student coaches Bobby and Ethan did have one, let's call it a major setback up at presentation on Monday night. So to give you a little perspective we we talk to the guys before pregame warm-ups briefly they go out they warm up at, at five minutes left on the clock we go back to the locker room say a quick prayer any last thoughts we have for the game and we go back out and finish the warm-up and we play the game and then with about a minute left on the clock our guys come over they all high-five each other they come high-five the coaches we go starting lineups let's go it's game time well I thought we were short when uh when the guys came over and about 10 seconds after that thought hit my mind, Ethan Friedel's aunt and grandma were yelling at us from the stands that Ethan was locked in the locker room. And locker room duty falls directly to our student coaches. They always hold the key because they let the guys into the locker room at halftime when the coaches are meeting. Um, and so what had happened was I think Ethan went to, to use the restroom quick before the game, and Bobby and Ethan failed to check if uh, the locker room was clear. And uh, he, we almost locked our leading score for the game in the locker room. I, I will admit that uh, we did mess up uh, pretty severely that one time. But my only thoughts is if Ethan is going to score 27 points every time we lock him in the locker room, I'm going to do that every single game and just kind of ride the wave. Well, and it makes for a great story. You know, it's really funny after the fact, for sure. Is that the first time you've ever had a player locked in a locker room in your experience? It's the only one I remember. However, I do remember this a couple of years back, one of the women's players got locked in the locker room at Mount Marty. I, I, I don't know why I remember that so well, but their locker room was right next to ours. And I remember talking to Coach Power about it after the game. So it has happened before, just not for us. So, Bobby, add that to your pregame checklist. 
So speaking of road trips and our earlier conversation about the upcoming game on Wednesday against Jamestown, we've got a special guest today on the BC Buckets podcast. We're joined today by Dr. Paul Olson, a former associate professor of sociology here at the Cliff, and now he's currently the dean up at the University of Jamestown. Dr. Olson, it's great to have you today. Well, it's my pleasure, Matt. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with you and coach and uh, talk a little bit about the Jimmies, an upcoming game, as well as uh, some of the, the great history of Briarcliff basketball. So you were a professor when I was up at the cliff, and so a lot of uh, my friends and I, of course, had you uh, in class, but we also knew you as a staple in the Newman Flanagan Center, but it feels like it's been a while since uh, we've seen you in that gym. So how long has it been since you moved up north? Uh, this is my fifth year at, at UJ now. So uh, I was at Briarcliff from 2005 until 2014. Uh, then we made the move up 29 and over on 94 to Jamestown. So this is Jamestown's first year as a GPAC school and obviously as a conference foe to Briarcliff and, and the various other schools throughout the conference. But a lot of schools in the conference have some familiarity with Jamestown. Uh, Jamestown's always been present at various national tournaments and uh, has played non-conference games against various GPAC schools. So what's been the talk on campus about Jamestown joining the GPAC and what does joining the conference mean for Jamestown athletics? We're really excited to be a part of the GPAC. Uh, it's a conference that's really outstanding. You know, we think it's the, the best NAIA conference in the country. Uh, for us as a private institution, uh, that's uh, affiliated with Presbyterian Church USA. Being in a, a conference that's all private schools, all religiously based, shares a very similar mission and, and values to, to a lot of those other schools. Uh, it's really a great opportunity for us. Uh, it also helps us out a lot with scheduling. Uh, you know, uh, like you said, uh, the Jimmies have played uh, Briarcliff and a lot of the GPAC schools for, for a long time. Uh, non-conference games, but uh, for us to to not be the ones that are coming to Sioux City or to you know to some of the other GPAC schools as the visitor all the time, but to be able to to make sure all the GPAC schools get to visit scenic North Dakota as much as they can uh, is something that's really great for us. So I'm not real familiar with Jamestown, but I've looked up what you guys have done this year so far, and you guys are four and uh, it looks like you score a lot of points, you shoot a lot of threes, and just looking at your roster and uh, the outcome so far, it looks like you play a very guard-heavy style of basketball, similar to what we play here at Briarcliff and, and what some other teams do throughout the GPAC. So can you talk a little bit about uh, what you've seen from Jamestown and, and how you know their their style fits into the GPAC and how it compares to Briarcliff? We play a, a style of basketball that's really similar, like you said, to a lot of GPAC schools. Uh, a lot of four guards, uh, you know, sometimes four guards and a forward, not even so much with a, a true center on the court. Uh, you know, at our level, it's those, those six, eight, six eight to six ten true centers. You know, they're not all, always the easiest uh, players to find. And so uh, we, we tend to be pretty guard heavy, shoot the three a lot, you know, slash pretty well gets get to the free throw line pretty well too so uh it'll be interesting to see we've had some some turnover in the roster from last year to this year uh so you know it'll be really fascinating to, to see what uh danny neville and the the coaches are able to, to put out on the floor as we jump you know jump right into the g-pack uh with the chargers this wednesday 
And so, Dr. Olson, I've got to ask, because I'm sure a Coach wants to know, and I'm sure the players want to know, and probably a lot of the fans, too, who are going to be making the trip. But uh, we talk a lot about food on this podcast. And so what are the top three restaurants in Jamestown, North Dakota? You know, when we applied to be in the GPAC, uh, that's one of the questions that we had to provide an answer for. Uh, Corey Westra really held our feet to the fire. And so as part of the process, uh, we had to demonstrate the, the culinary level of Jamestown. Uh, being equivalent or better than the GPAC. Uh, while we don't have a La Juanita's or anything quite that level in terms of Mexican food, we do have some pretty good places to eat. Uh, I would say that Sabir's Buffalo City Grill is uh, the best dining establishment in the GPAC. It is a top-notch uh, place to eat, and the chicken wild rice soup is probably the best soup in the GPAC. Um, the second place in town, I would say, uh, would be Johnny B's Brickhouse Pizza. Uh, they have a barbecue chicken pizza that is really, truly fantastic. Uh, and then the other place that I would put, put in there in the top three in Jamestown is a, uh, little sports bar type of place, uh, IDK, uh, is its name. It's only a couple blocks from campus just a, a great menu in terms of everything that you'd want in a sports bar. Importantly though, too, we also have Casey's up here now. So uh, whenever I'm, I really feel like I need a, a something to eat from home, Casey's pizza is an option. So coach Figueroa was talking about uh, before we uh, got on the podcast today, uh, talking about how he's excited for the road trip this Wednesday and how uh, he'll have an opportunity once those guys are up in North Dakota to visit the world's, uh, largest buffalo. What are your thoughts on that? The world's largest buffalo um, is, is, in fact, the world's largest buffalo. Uh, so it does have that going for it. Um, I would also say uh, I had the opportunity, actually, in all seriousness, uh, I'm on the, the board of directors for the National Buffalo Museum, which is right next to the world's largest buffalo. And uh, the Dakota Wesleyan volleyball team was in town a couple of weeks ago, and I got to help them track down uh, the white buffalo that lives at the museum. Uh, he was hiding that day, and so it was uh, kind of difficult to, to find him. Uh, and we looked around for about 15, 20 minutes, and I was, wasn't able to find him. But, uh, you know, when, when the Chargers are up here, uh, might be able to arrange a, uh, a prairie tour, pasture tour, or something along those lines. So uh, you could get to see Dakota Miracle up close and personal. So as the director of that board, can you give us an official lesson on uh, the appropriate use of the word bison versus buffalo when talking about that particular animal? You know, that is actually one of the questions that we get asked a lot um, because bison is the scientific name we tend to go with the national buffalo museum and we, we pretty much use them interchangeably now obviously you've got the history of Briarcliff, and now you're up at jamestown and and i'm not going to ask the unfair question of where your allegiances lie because of course we'd expect you to uh, be a hundred percent jimmy supporter at this point in time, but you know, you spent a lot of time in the Newman Flanagan Center. You saw a lot of good Briarcliff basketball. So, what are some of your best memories of watching some of those Briarcliff teams from your time here? You know, the the one team that really sticks out for me when I think back, and in part of it is because of the run they had at the end of the year, 
would have been back in the 07-08 team. Uh, I think they finished fifth in the conference. And so they didn't they didn't even get a home conference tournament game that year. But they, you know, I don't know if they kind of underachieved a little bit during the year or hit a hot streak. Uh, but the run that they went on, because that would have been – must have been Neil Roy and Adi Cheesemich's senior season. Mm-hmm. Um, Deonis Williams was the center on that team. Who else would have been? I think Brett Ratcliffe might have been the first year he started. Uh, he'd have been a younger player on that team if my timeline is right. But, you know, they they got blown out by Dort, you know, in early February of that year. And then drew them right away and had to go up to Dort. And I remember going up there and it was the first time I'd ever been in Dort's gym. And you know, I remember going in and thinking that it looked like an upside down canoe uh, <laughs> with the way that the ceiling looks. And and their fans, I mean, Dort has wonderful fans. I mean, if they're if if they're rooting for you, they're they're great. You know, they're really loud. And, and our, those guys came out and played great. And I, if I remember right, Deonis had a big dunk in the last couple minutes to kind of seal it. Uh, and, and then after that, they went to the semis over at Morningside and they played in Alley Gym. And, you know, Morningside, I think they were ranked like second in the country. They were the one seed and they were really, really good that year. And a bunch of guys just played out of their heads that game. And they came out kind of a nail biter. Uh, right towards the end and, and pulled off a two or three point victory over there uh, and then went up to Northwestern uh, and just just kind of ran out of gas in the second half. And, uh, you know, as disappointing as it was to lose, I think that game was probably the best Briarcliff student section that I'd ever seen. I mean, they they just were going nuts. I think at one point, a Gator, big Jug of Gatorade got spilled, yeah, and oh, there was all kinds of commotion about that. Yep. Yep. And yep. it was it was just such a great scene and such a great ride for that week, week and a half of conference tournament that the that the guys uh, took us on that year. You know, that was probably my best memory of Briarcliff basketball. Even though it didn't didn't end that that season the way that you know Todd Berry and and everybody wanted it to end. Uh, that ride was was a really special one, and was really a lot. I can't believe it's been a decade ago, uh, but that was that was a good one, and really my favorite favorite memory. But you know, a lot of great, a lot of great games against Morningside, whether it was in the Newman Flanagan Center or whether it was over at uh, Alley Gym. You know, I remember a lot of great games.
you're not sure how good he's going to be. And then, boy, as a junior and senior, he's really developed and, and turns into a fantastic player. You know, getting to have have guys, you know, like getting to know Michael Collison on the Black Hills trip, uh, and you know, never knowing exactly how how absolutely hilarious he is uh, until you get to spend that amount of time with him. Or again, to get to have guys like Will Smeeter and, uh, and Zach Odding in class, uh, getting to know them off the court too. You know, so much of, of what's great about college basketball are the relationships that you get to build. And, you know, at some places like whether it's a UJ or a Briarcliff where you really get to know the student athletes, getting to build those relationships with them, watch them grow, you know, as people and as students, but also get to watch them grow on the on the court. I think that's one of the real special things and, and one of those things that, that I'll always uh, really appreciate about Briarcliff. Yeah, I think you're right on the money, and we've certainly been fortunate, you know, in the basketball program. We've had some outstanding kids, um, you know, in my seven-plus years now here, and I know some of that coincided with your time and some of the names. Brings me down memory lane a little bit, some of those guys who've been gone for a few years, but it, I think you're right on the money with, with the people. Yep. It's, yeah, so much of it. And, and, you know, there are other games that I remember. I think it was, I remember something had to be about 2012, playing Northwestern uh, in the Newman Flanagan Center. And Northwestern, I think it was the second game of the year against them. Northwestern, I think, beat us pretty handily up in Orange City. That's an understatement. You remember that one, Coach? Well, yeah, that year we played Northwestern three times. That was my first year at Briarcliff as an assistant coach. And we were uh, early in the year, we were 5-0. and And we went up there, and they beat us by 30-plus. And it was a real wake-up call for us. And we didn't play them again until till late January. And if I'm not mistaken, we won that game by 26. Um, and I think that's the game you're referencing and then we went up there again in the conference tournament semifinals, and we lost by 45. It was one of the most shocking three-game swings I've ever been a part of. I don't know if I'll ever be a part of something like that again. It was really bizarre, and the only one I caught that year was the home game. And at one point that game, I think we were up 40. Yeah, I think we were. We really got after them that day. It was just bizarre to, to sit over in that, you know, that section of stands by the concession stand where I usually sat uh, and just watch that happen because it was the, the least Northwestern-like game I'd ever seen a group from their play and, and they were a fantastic team. I mean, they were, you know, I think they had Van Callsbeek was uh, probably the leader of that team and that, that he was a dude mm-hmm. uh, and it was just bizarre to watch and I didn't. I've never known what to make of that game, but that was absolutely a wild one. And there are few that I've enjoyed as much as now. Yeah, that was a fun night. I remember that pretty vividly. So, Dr. Olson, for any of our fans who are going to be making the trip up uh, this Wednesday to come watch that game, any tips for uh, arena etiquette or any traditions that we might want to be aware of as we walk into that, that crowd and that gym? Uh, well, my first piece of advice is to make sure you get gas at Summit, uh, South Dakota. Uh, between there and Fargo, there's not a lot of opportunities to stop in case you have to stop. So you might want to make a bathroom trip there at the coffee, uh, coffee cup there at Summit. Uh, you know, as good as the restaurants are in Jamestown, if you don't get a chance to eat before you get to the arena, 
we do a we do have what's called the Knights Fair, uh, where we have uh, any number of, of special items. So it's not just your typical walking tacos, hot dog uh, kind of concession stand. Uh, we do we have sliders some nights, pick and Caesar salad, you know, all sorts of things along those lines. So there's a variety of options. Um, probably the big tradition uh, would be uh, when the Jimmys win, uh, we do have a bell that's a replica of our chapel uh, and chapel bell in the arena. And so we do ring the victory bell uh, when, when the Jimmys are victorious. Uh, the other thing that I would, would say is uh, in honor of Mike Power, there will definitely be a lot of 70s arena rock during the... <laughs> We sure appreciate everything you've done for Briarcliff throughout the years, and uh, you know it, it. It hurt to lose you certainly from this campus community, but it sounds like uh, things are going great up in Jamestown, and it, it sounds like you know it's it's just a great fit for the the GPAC that institution, and so we're excited to have you guys. Certainly uh, builds in some road trip opportunities for our teams and our fans, and, and certainly for your programs and your fans as well, but. Just speaking as a fan, I think it's great to have new competitive programs in the conference, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you know what Jamestown can do in this conference. Yep, thanks, Dr. Olson, and I'm uh, looking forward to talking with you maybe during the women's game for a few minutes on Wednesday night. Absolutely, Coach. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yep, take care. So with that, we're going to head into listener emails here and we've got one i we decided we're gonna let bobby read the the listener emails from now on but i think i'm gonna go ahead and read this one uh, and you'll see why here in just a second so this comes from Corey hobbs former student coach uh, with the program and he says this question is for coach figuera coach i heard through the grapevine that bobby b skipped out on a team scrimmage to attend a nebraska football game what does this do to his legacy as a student coach well this is a situation, it, it, it's true, uh, but to use the phrase skipped out would be incorrect. You know, Bobby had, had something set up with a, his family to go to a Nebraska game and had talked to me about it in advance, and I, I told him I thought it was a great idea to go do it before we get crazy busy with the season. And so from that perspective, I don't think it tarnishes his legacy uh, nearly as much as just being a Husker fan does. And I will say to that, Corey, um, when I did go down there, I did witness Scott Frost's first of many wins at Nebraska. So all I have to say for you Hawks fans is come Black Friday in Iowa City, just just watch out. You know, and leave it to Hobbs to always be stirring that student coach pot. You know, whether it's blog posts, it's podcast questions. You know, Hobbs, he's always trying to stir that pot a little bit. And I'm not going to fall into your traps, Corey. Well, thanks, Corey, for the question. And again, anyone out there, make sure you're sending those into us at uh, bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. Now we're going to throw out some shout outs for the week. And I'm going to go ahead and start here. I was at Memorial Field yesterday to witness our Briarcliff football team pick up their sixth win of the season, which locks up a winning season for the first time in program history. So not only did they win the game, they won in dominating fashion defensively, just completely owned that game. 
and uh, offensively they had Brad Cagle back, and uh, you could barely tell that he missed any time. It was just a great game out in the rain, and uh, those guys came out to play. So congratulations to those guys, and certainly shout out to all of the the people who have been involved with the program even before that. Uh, any players, coaches who who really you know stuck it out to to help build this program and get it going. Uh, you know, I think maybe it took a little bit longer than some people would have liked to to get winning, but. But the fact is, you know, we have a winning season now under our belt. So uh, congrats to Coach Wagner and, and the entire staff and that whole squad. We're looking forward to seeing how you guys can build on that. Yeah, not only, uh, you know, hitting the six wins as a team, which is just remarkable, and um, especially from the turnaround from a team last year that, that didn't win a single game at all to, to set the program record for wins. And more importantly for the home fans, go undefeated at Memorial Field this year. Um, that's just phenomenal. Uh, you know, you come off a year where you don't win a game, and then the next year you don't lose a game in front of the home fan base. Just an awesome job by the by the football team. Um, you know, it, it made me look through to try seeing, you know, some other sports, how have they done at home. You know, basketball, there's a whole lot more games. But I did know that the men's basketball program has had two years in which they did not lose a home game. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, it's not something easy to do regardless of what sport to go comp- without a loss in front of the home crowd. So great job by the football guys to, to win them all in front of the home team. And, you know, we'll just keep seeing more and more road wins coming up in the next few years. All right, my weekly shout-out, I'm going to go with the women's basketball team. You know, they started their season this week as well. Uh, got a huge home win. I think they won by 30-some points on Tuesday night. And then they went on the road this weekend out to Chicago. They went east, we went south. Uh, but they beat, I think, number four and number 16 teams in the country. And, uh, you know, it's great to see them with a 3-0 and start. And I'm excited to start traveling with them again and playing the same schedule so we can watch them play as well. So great job, ladies. I'd also like to give a quick shout-out to uh, all the parents and Briarcliff supporters that traveled down to Kansas uh, this weekend to support the men's program. I know Coach Figuera can probably back me up on this. Our support staff on uh, the men's side, especially um, with all the families, we have a great support system and a lot of people who care about uh, Briarcliff basketball and uh, seeing the success of the team and culture and all the program keep building. Uh, that's really cool to see, and to see them travel like they did in, uh, in bulk in bunches, it's, it's really awesome. So shout-out to all those parents that came down and uh, supported us in Kansas. My shout out um, goes to the the soccer programs for Briarcliff. Uh, this year was the first time in the history of Briarcliff and the GPAC to have both the men's and women's teams make the uh, GPAC semifinals. So that that's absolutely awesome. Um, and and a kind of a side shout out with that again goes to the football team. Not only the shout out for for the six wins, the undefeated home record, but also for the fact that in the quarterfinals, the men's soccer team hosted Northwestern, and Coach Wagner and the football staff adjusted practice time and had the football team down at the field to cheer on uh, the Chargers to a 2-1 overtime victory over Northwestern. It was an incredible atmosphere, and you know that's something awesome about this campus at Briarcliff, the fact that the athletic coaches and, and players, they support one another, again, going off the fans. Um, you know, the football players, you know, a good chunk of them have no idea about soccer. So that was awesome to see. Before we wrap things up here, Kevin, you're the the fun fact guy. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, I think my uh, my guy that I'm, I'm looking at this week for stat purposes is going to be Jay Wolf. Um, you know, it was double overtime, so maybe it's a little bit skewed. But 
Jay in that game had a double-double with 20 points and 10 assists. So for one, that's the first uh, Radcliffe men's basketball player to get a double-double with the assist total as part of it since Eric Erdman in, on January 7th of 2017 against Morningside when Erdman had 15 points and 10 assists against the Mustangs. But even more impressively was then the next night, Jay Wolf has another double-double with 34 points and 13 rebounds becoming the first player since Matt Geelan in the 2009-2010 season to have a double-double with 10 or more assists in a game and a double-double with the rebounds in another game in the season. So uh, just being able to show that he can he can get the double-double by getting those rebounds down and also dishing out the assists, uh, and this could also go partial. Shout-out to Jay Wolf for being able to get the double-double a couple different ways this week. Yeah, that that's a great stat. When we talked about that after the game, um, some of us coaches did. It's it's a testament to Jay's versatility. You know, he's one of those guys. He's going to do what needs to be done to win games, and he really scored it uh, against Bethany. A couple other guys were off maybe with their with their jumpers, and and Jay got it going. And against friends, some other guys had it going, and and Jay knows how to get him the ball. And people are going to pay a lot of attention to Jay, and he's such an unselfish player that. You know he's always going to make the right play, and and so it's no surprise, and I don't think it'll be a surprise if if we end up talking about him having a triple double with with those three stats either. All right, so that'll be it for this week's BC Buckets. Uh, as always, make sure you find us on Twitter at BC Buckets Cast, uh, and shoot us an email at BC Buckets Podcast at gmail Last but not least, make sure you uh, get up here to the Newman Flanagan Center next Saturday, November 10th. Women play at 2 o'clock. Men play at 4 o'clock here on Ray Naki Court against Concordia. So let's fill up this gym. Let's give both programs, both 3-0 and programs, hopefully 4-0 and going into that game, uh, a lot of support. And let's make this place loud again. I, I know we've always had a phenomenal home court advantage, and let's keep that up again this season. So for the rest of the crew, I'm Matt Gall. We'll talk to you next week.